Today we are uh, going to talk about the Word of God. And it's an interesting thing, um, the Word of God. I feel like I just got bright all of a sudden. Uh, wow. Uh, because it's one of those, you know, you talk about the Word of God, you talk about the Bible, the text, as we refer to it a lot of times around here. And, and really there's a couple of different reactions that you might have. Uh, one of them is complete apathy. You're just like, whatever. Do you have a Bible in your house? Yeah, I probably do. Um, does it, you know, is it dusty? You know, how dusty your Bible is uh, tells you a lot, maybe, about you. No judgment, I'm just saying. Um, um, and, and so you can be completely apathetic about it. And, and then you, the other side is like, uh, uh, wow, you start talking about the Word of God, we're starting to tread on holy ground, Crocker, so tread easily. And, and the, those people can, the people who are there with the word of God can, can go a couple of different directions as well. Um, you can, you can really look at the word of God as everything that is in this book is perfect. And there is not one thing that is off. Um, or you could take the, the other side and say that this is the word of God, but there are some things in there because it was delivered from human minds and written um, that there are some things in there, some inconsistencies in there of stories, but still it's the word of God. And, and generally these two camps of people don't get along very well. Um, they, they are the two camps of people. If you can find two of them that really like to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Debate maybe is better than the word argue. Um, but they could sit for hours and go back and forth, each knowing the scripture very well, each claiming that their side is right. And really what it does is drives wedges between the body of Christ the Word of God is, if we are learning how to listen to God, is something that we need to have. It is something that is just imperative in our relationship with Him and with one another. You know, the, the joke that um, I believe it was young Ryan Jacobson that um, it mentioned it this week, that the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E. to Anybody ever hear that? Basic instructions before leaving earth? Um, yeah. And, and he was kind of really jokingly saying that, I think. Uh, but it is one of these things that is so important to our relationship with God that uh, we need to spend some time on it. Now, if I say Bob Costas, which I'm sure you all saw me go in that direction, right? Um, if I say Bob Costas, uh, what comes to mind? Pink eye. That was the first thing said at the last service, too. Yeah. Like fungus, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, if we look beyond the pink eye of Sochi and we think about Bob Costas, what is it that Bob is great at? Broadcasting. When do you see Bob? Only big sporting events, right? Olympics, um, uh, you know, because I believe that Bob actually lives in a closet somewhere. And he's not real. And any time like a big event comes up, they pull him out of the closet, they put new batteries in him, they shake him up, and then they send him out to do what? To tell stories. Right? Isn't this what Bob is great at? This is why we love the Olympics. This is why we love when Bob shows up, because you know that he's going to have an essay. He's going to have some sort of take on the behind the scenes of what's going on. 
Yesterday was um, the Preakness, and uh, it's a horse race for those of you who don't know what the Preakness is. Uh, horse racing, not really a big sport that we watch in our family. Um, in fact, never uh, do we really watch horse racing, and it's not because you know we have anything against horses uh, or or anything like that. It's just not something that hits our family. And um, however, we were watching yesterday uh, because of Bob Costas. Because I heard his story about the owners of California Chrome. You know, this is what Bob does is he makes you care for things that you wouldn't have otherwise cared for. Right. You know, he tells the story of these two guys who um, just work in blue collar guys. They have two jobs and they and they work really hard at what they do. And and they they had this opportunity to put ten thousand dollars down on a horse. And everybody said they were some fill in the blank, right? It, they, they called them names and, but they're like, no, this is, this is our horse. We're going to rate. And they set out this plan, this training plan for him, the different races, the different steps that they wanted to take to get him uh, to the Kentucky Derby. You know what? Uh, their jockey, um, Victor uh, Lopez, I believe is his name. Um, you know what he has on the back of his silks, his Jersey. What's it? What's it a picture of anybody? A donkey. Yeah, it's a donkey. Um, uh, Meaning another name for that, because this is what the people thought of these owners for doing this. And yet, California Chrome now has won two of the three Triple Crown races. It's this great story that if he wins the Belmont, there will be a movie made about this because it should not have happened. Right. And, you know, during the Olympics, I told you all that um, that the Crockers, we are an Olympic family. We love us some Olympics. Winter, summer does not matter. We are going to watch. And what we love is when Bob Costas brings us a story of someone we've never heard of and a sport that we've never seen. And we root for that person, regardless of the country that they come from. You know, he's brilliant at that. He tells you the story behind. This is how this person, this person, when they were born, they were thrown onto the street. People literally stepped on his head, you know, just all this stuff. And he had to scrape and scrounge his entire life. He grew up his elementary school years. He lived in a trash can, you know, and and then all of these different things. And you're crying and you're like, go Romania. Yes. You know, and by the end of it, you just want that guy to win because he's there and there's no way he should be. But he is. And it's fantastic. But it's because you know the story behind, right? If you just showed up and you just turned it on and here's this guy from Romania and he's competing, you're like, Romania, USA, you know, type thing. You become a homer. But, But because you know the story, it opens up a whole world about who that person is. So when we're reading the scripture, the same thing happens. We need to go a little Bob Costas on the word of God, right? We, we need to understand the story that's going on behind the words. Because there's a big story there. Big story. Like Bob Costas doesn't have enough time in his broadcasts to tell the story that's going on behind this story. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in this scripture, in this passage from Second Timothy, 
It says that Scripture is inspired by God. A lot of translations will say that it is God-breathed. Just the Word. You know, it's just like, wow, the power comes from the breath of God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and make us to realize what's wrong in our lives and to put us on the path that God desires us to be on. And yes, 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 there is nothing wrong with this Scripture. This scripture is something that we all should take to heart and to realize that as we delve more into the story of God, we realize more who we are as sons and daughters of his. And as we step more into our identity and discover more about the Holy Scripture, the text, that we realize more where God longs for us to be. But I think there's a difference in inspired and God-breathed. I think there's a difference there. And this is where that road diverges for these two groups of people that like to argue a lot about this. Because God breathed just has this, this sense that it was just as if God's breath, just when, when every word was placed perfectly. And everything that is said here is perfect. Inspired conjures another picture. Inspired says, yes, God was behind all of this and he inspired the words. But from his inspiration comes things and stories that sometimes have some inconsistencies in them. Sometimes there are things that are said in this scripture that make us go, huh, really? And I think part of that is the reason that that is kind of there is something that our own Adam Schindler uh, brought to mind two weeks ago at our pastor's meeting. Adam, if you don't know who Adam is, he was the, as he likes to put it, the really cool guy playing the bass um, today. Um, Adam is a very interesting fellow, and if you ever have a chance to sit down with him and talk, um, I encourage you to do so, and I also encourage you to bring a thesaurus because the dude is really smart. Um, like Dr. Daryl? No. Like, he's not a doctor, Adam, but wow. Uh, you know, he's a smart fella. But Adam brings this thing of, you know, he says, what we want is we want right and wrong, black and white. We want to know what it is. We want to know exactly this is right, this is wrong, end of story. He says what God does, however, he, he believes is that God focuses on life and death. You take the, the word right and you replace it with life and you take the word wrong and you replace it with death. And what God is always for, God is always, always, always for life. God is always for life. Scripture is there, this God-breathed, this inspired Word of God to bring life. Now, there are some things that, that if you read this, you're like, oh, wait, wait a minute, because that doesn't sound like bringing life when you tell women that they can't talk in the place of worship. Here's where Bob Costas needs to step in. Because if you go Bob Costas on that scripture, what you understand is that there is a community that Paul is writing to where the women won't stop talking. You're like, is that our community? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Chris Estes, stop it. He's writing to this community that had a specific problem going on. When Paul says all of you women must have your heads covered when you come to worship. I don't see any women with their heads covered right now. It doesn't help putting your hand on your wife's head, as I saw just two guys just do. 
We had a little, uh, the, bat, the five baptisms that were, uh, the four baptisms that happened earlier, the, there was one little girl that had a little thing on her head. And I was like, she is the only one. Um, and she, you know, is spitting up as we speak. But, but none of it, how come? Why, why not? Why are you not wearing something over your head? I mean, it's there. Well, go Bob Costas on it. You got to cost us that story and you have to understand what was happening in the community. There were women who were prostitutes that were coming in and they were not wearing covers on their head. Is that right, Ryan? Or is it the other way? Yeah, they were not wearing covers on their head. I said it wrong in the first service and I knew I did as soon as I said it. Don't tell them though. They believe it's the same story, but they weren't wearing covers on there. And God and, and Paul is like, look, look, Hey, if you're coming here, we need to settle some things down. When you come to God's house, prepare yourself to come to God's house. And so he's giving them this advice and this thing. You got to go Bob Costas on it. Here's another one. And this is one I mention in here all the time because I love it. When Jesus said, if you have the faith like this, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Oh, okay. I don't know about you people, but Jenna and I are really mountain people. Love the mountains. Love them. Uh, like, uh, I, the beach? No, because sand. I don't know if you know this, but there's sand at the beach. Sand gets everywhere. It's horrible. But the mountains, I love the mountains. The mountains are great and wonderful, but we live in a place where there are no mountains. I have a lot of faith. I have a great faith, a tremendous faith. So I think what I maybe should do is go to the Rockies this summer and go, hey, hey, we need you in San Antonio. Not all of you, just one of you, okay? Preferably one with some water um, on it because that's, you know, trout fishing would be great here at 90-something degrees because, you know, they'd live that long. But, you know, no. Is that really what God was saying? Or if you cost us this, is that a verb? If you cost us this, Do you see that when Jesus is talking and he is telling this to his disciples that he is in view of the Heropolis, this mountain that was physically by slaves built that they, by Herod's order, went from taking the ground and stuff over here and took it over. Why did he do this? Because he could. And he builds this mountain and he builds this tremendous palace on top of the mountain. And Jesus inside of this says, if you have just the tiniest bit of faith, you are more powerful than the most powerful man that has ever lived. Herod. You got to go Bob Costas on the story sometimes in in order to understand what is really there and what God is trying to teach us and to tell us and how he is trying to shape us into who he longs for us to be. So, so last night I did a wedding um, out at the Hill Country Hyatt, and it was a, a, a beautiful night for an outdoor wedding, and it was just great. And, you know, it's a wedding, so everybody's happy, um, and, and it's just a, a pleasure to be there. The scripture that the couple chose was from um, the, the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, depending on how you want to say it. Um, and, and as I thought about it, I don't think I've ever done a wedding where that scripture was chosen a scripture from that book was chosen. And I may be wrong, um, but, uh, but I believe that this is the first time that I've ever had something from that particular book chosen to read at a wedding. And I found it kind of funny because when you think of marriage, you think of love. It's a love story. When you think of the Bible and you want to go to a love story, you go to Song of Songs. I mean, because that is a love story. 
But then as I played it out, because they had um, Song of Songs um, 8, 6, and 7, if you continue on to verse 8, there begins to be some language that flower girls shouldn't hear. It might confuse them, right? So, and, and then as you, so I was sitting there waiting for the wedding, and I went and reread the entire eight chapters of it, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot in here that flower girls shouldn't hear, and maybe this is why people don't use this scripture in weddings very often. But what struck me was how perfect that it was, because the Song of Solomon is a love story. It's a story of a man who so desperately loves a woman that nothing is going to stop him from getting to her. It's a story of a woman who so desperately loves this man that anything that gets in her way, she will overcome because she needs to be with him. You know, a good marriage, that's what it's about, right? It's about two people who are so passionate for one another that they pursue Pursue, pursue, and love, love, love. You know, this is the story right here. This is that story for us. The entire thing is a story about a dad who loves his children tremendously. Loves them so much. He pursues, pursues, pursues. And sometimes we turn and we run the other way. Sometimes we ignore And yet the pursuit is still there. You see, when we want to listen to God, when we want to understand more and more about who we are, I really do think that you need to be invested in the word of God. But I think that as we read this word of God, we need to read it with the understanding that it is a love story. It's a love story. It's a story about how much God loves us. And yes, there are things in there where it it points out to us things that bring life and things that do not. And we need to be aware of those. And we need to let them shape us into who we are to become. Scripture is a great place to begin conversations. It's a great place to begin a conversation with each other, but a great place to begin a conversation with our Father. As we go these next few weeks, and we're bringing to a close this series on what it means to listen to God, I encourage you to pick up His Word. And not to read it on some surface level of, well, I'll get this book in Debbie Chesney, the Jesus Calling book that's out there, that series that some of you may have. She has it on her iPhone, so Jesus calls her um, every morning. Um, it's kind of freaky. Uh, you know, he, he actually texts her. He's much more adept at technology than most people give him credit for. Um, but he texts her every morning some little scripture, and she reads it and moves on. And, and that's wonderful and good. But if we truly want to hear from God, we've got to go Bob Costas on this story. We've got to really get into it and see where God is saying, this is what I long for you. This is my story for you. That I love you. I will always love you. Let us pray.